Hey, welcome to the Debunk Podcast. I'm Kita. I'm Kita. I'm a dental surgeon with a mission to contribute to the health of not just individuals, but to the entire public. The Debunked Podcast is all about fact-checking our health beliefs and sharing thoughts and culture as it impacts our day-to-day lives. Stay tuned as we talk all about health, culture, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to another episode. This is Steal the Learn from History series and I must say I have absolutely enjoyed doing these episodes. Like some of the stories I already had like an idea about but it's been so exciting to actually really go in depth and even discover more aspects of some of the stories that I previously didn't even realize that I didn't realize. So I'm so grateful to be learning and I hope you guys are learning from these stories as well. Today's episode is titled The Tuskegee Experiment, Injustice or a Necessary Evil. Now, if you've ever seen any movie where a bunch of people were rounded up and inhumane experiments were conducted on them and you were thinking, geez, this is insane, like, thank God this is not real life. Well, your worst nightmares might be about to come true because, yeah. So, let me get into it briefly. Um, the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male is what the study was called. Like, that was the title of the study. I'm going to take it again. The Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male. Now, um, Tuskegee is a place in America. Um, untreated syphilis is, I mean, just as it sounds, syphilis that goes untreated. And in the Negro male simply means black men. Okay, so it was a clinical study that was done between 1932 and 1972 by the United States Public Health Service. Now, the purpose of this study was supposed to be to observe the natural cause of syphilis in a human being. So to expatiate um, briefly, um, when someone gets infected with a disease, if the disease is untreated, there's always a natural progression that disease follows, okay? And over time, we know these things because people from the past have studied them, have speculated, have carried out experiments, you know? But this particular study was about people now studying how syphilis would progress in black men. So anyway, let, let, let me keep going. Let me, let me not jinx it yet. According to them, the aim was to just infect people and study, like I said, how the disease would progress so that people like you and I could read about the disease in a text or recognize it in a human being, you know, many centuries later. So this sounds harmless enough. Like, it makes sense. Like, even sounds kind of revolutionary. Like, we're trying to find out, okay, how bad can it be? What are the signs? What are the symptoms? You know, how do we know how to attack it and treat it in the future? You know, it makes a lot of sense. Except the fact that the lab rats were literally African-American human men who were only told that they were receiving free health care from the United States government. 
So they didn't pick people who let's 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 think of a perfect scenario. People who were infected with the disease, you know, who agreed, okay, you know what, I already have the disease, use me for you know, for the good of mankind. Like there was no consent. There was even no information. They were lied to. It was under false pretenses. It wasn't even it, it wasn't even about misinformation. There was no information. They were straight up lied to. A total of 600 impoverished black men who were sharecroppers from Macan County, Alabama, were used in this study. Now, this was the South, you guys. You already know what that means. These men were farmers. They were sharecroppers, to be specific. Sharecroppers are like people who, you know, rent people's lands to farm and then pay them in some of the crops. So these men were really poor men. They didn't even have farms of their own. So 600 of them in total were used in this study. Some of them already were infected with syphilis as at the time of the study. Others were actually infected for the purpose of the study. So the person who was actually credited with starting this study was a man called Tal I think Talai Ferro Clark. I think that's how you pronounce his name or whatever. He is apparently supposed to have been some type of physician who also had no idea, no clue, or should I say just didn't care that this was very a very inhuman thing to do. I mean, this is not exactly surprising. We're coming straight out of a term where people were literally, black people were kept as slaves, so I'm not surprised that they had no qualms using them, you know, for this type of inhumane study. So he was the one who founded the study, and his initial goal was to um, follow untreated syphilis in a group of black men for just six to nine months and then give them a treatment phase. That was his own initial plan. But other members of the study group started to use deceptive practices. You know, they had other plans. They had other ideas. They're like, six to nine months ain't gonna cut it. Like, we need to actually keep these people and we need to not treat them. We need to literally just see what's the worst that can happen, you know, so that we can document it and people can know. So when he discovered that that was what was, you know, about to happen, he kind of pulled out. He disagreed with the plan to conduct an extended study, not to conduct a study, but to conduct an extended study that was longer than six to nine months. Talifero Clark was not innocent, please. He was not innocent in this either. And he retired the year after the study began. He just started it and then he ran off, whatever. Although he's usually assigned blame for conceiving the study, the actual, actual person who is probably equally, if not more deserving of the originating notion is a man named Thomas Perron Jr. Thomas Perron was, he was the health commissioner of New York State, guys. And he was the one who recommended that if one wished to actually study the natural history, of um, syphilis in the Negro race, uninfluenced by treatment, that the county would be an ideal location for such a study. I mean, he had so many poor black men that nobody cared about. So like, this is perfect. Let's just use this man. The researchers that were all involved with the experiments reasoned that they were not harming the black men involved in the study as some of them were, you know, probably unlikely to get treatment anyway if they had come down with the disease. And because black men at the time were seen as 
I don't know, essentially farm animals like horses or whatever. So they could count on them that, oh, their sex drives will be inhi inhibited, uh, disinhibited, and then they will just keep spreading syphilis and they could have a larger sample size to observe this untreated syphilis. Guys, this is this is this is really this is really sad. It's really shocking that not one person could actually do could, one, one person could realize just how unethical what they were doing to human beings were. Like I said, the men were told that the study was only going to last six months, but in actuality, this study lasted 40 years, from 1932 to 1972. The study lasted 40 years as opposed to the six months that they were told that it would last. The longer the study, obviously, the better the ultimate information that they would derive, and because of that, they just kept going some of the rationale for this study was um the fact that there was already a study from i think that was switzerland that was basically a um, a retrospective study meaning people had um kind of gone through um the case notes or the documentations of patients who had been treated for syphilis and you know it had been documented that oh they had so 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 and so symptoms so 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 and so exhibitions but you know the united states starts why do a prospective a retrospective study when we can do a prospective study? Meaning, why go back and check records when we can actually just infect people and you know watch it in real time? Like obviously it's way more accurate study because we can see. And why do it for six months when obviously we won't be able to, you know, really a, a, a appreciate all of the ramifications of this inhumane thing we're doing? Why not let it last 40 years? <laughs> So this study lasted 40 years and even after funding for treatment was lost, they continued to infect people without informing the men that they would never get treated. Like, anyway, so none of the men were told that they had the disease because they all thought that they were getting immunizations. Those were the ones who were newly infected. Even those who already had the disease probably didn't even know anything about it. So they were not even told they had the disease. And those whom were being infected were not told that they were freshly being infected. And even when penicillin became the chosen antibiotic that was proven to successfully treat syphilis, these men were still not treated. By the end of this study in 1972, only 74 of the initial 600 test subjects were alive. Of the original 399 men, 28 had died of syphilis, 100 were dead of related complications, 40 of their wives had been infected, and 19 of their children were born with congenital syphilis. Congenital syphilis is a series of abnormal, um, abnormal developments or malformations that occur in children in whom um, the mothers are infected with syphilis. So while they are in the womb, the syphilis bacteria or the spirochetes attack the fetus and cause a bunch of malformations in those children. So a lot of generations, a lot of people were affected just from this inhumane study that they decided the U.S. Department of Public Health decided to carry out, carry out. So again, was this injustice or a necessary evil? Was it so necessary for us to be able to identify the symptoms of secondary and tertiary syphilis and congenital syphilis by risking and sacrificing the lives, painful deaths and painful lives of a bunch of black people? 
I think we've already established that the healthcare workers and researchers of the past were a bunch of unethical, prejudiced, and maybe a little psycho individuals. Like, there's simply no other excuse for the audacity and the stomach that they had for a lot of their heinous, of their heinous crimes. Anyway, back to the story. The end of the study came in 1972, like we said. The first person to speak against the study was a um, young physician named Irwin Schatz. And um, he wrote wrote about the study in a medical journal. um, And then the letter was read by a woman named Anne Jobs, who was one of the initial authors of the very unethical study. She immediately ignored the letter and filed it away and stamped it with a memo that no reply must ever be sent to the young physician. In 1966, um, a man named Peter Buxton, he was a um, venereal disease investigator in San Francisco. He then sent a letter to the national director in the Division of Venereal Diseases to express his own concerns about the ethics and the morality of the extended Tuskegee study, which by that time had been going on for over 30 years. The Center for Disease Control, which is the CDC, which by then were the ones in control of this study, reaffirmed the need to continue with the study until it was completed, meaning all the tests, until all the test subjects had died and they had been autopsied. Wow. So to bust that exposition, the CDC actually received unequivocal support from the African-American um, physicians and the American Medical Association. Like, everybody heard about this experiment and thought, yes, yeah, it's a good idea. We've already come this far. Why not, why not keep going? It's insane. Anyway, Buxton finally went to the press in early 1970. The story then finally broke in the Washington Star in 1972. As a result of that public outcry, a panel was now set up to look into it, which eventually now ordered its termination anyway in 1997 1997 guys like barely 22 years ago bill clinton formally apologized and held a ceremony at the white house for the surviving participants he said and i quote what was done cannot be undone but we can end the silence we can stop turning our heads away we can look at you in the eye and finally say on behalf of the american people what the United States what the United States government did was shameful and I am sorry. To our African American citizens, I am sorry that your federal government orchestrated a study so clearly racist. So I think to me, man, I think to me one of the most striking aspects of this horrible, horrible story is how so very recent everything is. Like 1972. <sighs> 1972 is when this eventually like the whole study lasted a whole 40 years and it was just casted in 1972 which is just a little over 40 years ago this was not far off at all and people thought that it was a good idea to uphold this kind of unethical and simply evil study for so many years I I mean that that's that's I think that's ex- essentially the summary. I'm so shook. Like when I first heard about this story, I thought I was watching the plot of a horror thriller movie. Like I couldn't believe that this was really real. And to find out more about this story, just you know, go online, read articles, read online. You will absolutely find out a lot more aspects that we didn't 
probably didn't touch on, but you realize that crazy things happened. Crazy things happened. Like really go into the details of how these people were treated. And I think if you really do a research on syphilis itself, like the disease itself, you realize exactly what these men suffered, what these men were and women suffered in the hands of these people, like untreated for many, many years. Anyway, thank you guys for listening to yet another one. I'm just going to go somewhere and detox from sharing this story because it just did a number on my heart and I need time to recover. I will catch you guys in the next episode. I hope you know that it is not as heartbreaking as this one. I really just hope so. Um, until next week, have a wonderful one, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this and other episodes of the debunk podcast if you want to interact better follow our official twitter page at debunked audible that is d-e-b-u-n-k-e-d-a-u-d-i-b-l-e at debunked audible you can also become a patron or a donor so that we can continue to improve the quality of our research production and take our message into the streets in form of health education outreaches so that everyone in the community can benefit until next time catch you in the next one